to Lifelinked, the brotherly podcast where we explore incredible stories of people from all walks of life. We're your hosts, Justin and Dominic Mazza, and today we talk to my new friend, John. I met John only a year ago, and he's quickly become a kickball teammate, a friend, and someone I just want to constantly be around. John walks us through his career of being a history teacher, his recent weight loss transformation, and how men manage their relationship with food, working out, and mental health. That's it. Crushed it. What's going on, John? How are you, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So, uh, I know, Dom, you, you jumped on. We were doing some pre-show notes. It's super dark because John lives in a basement, and there's <laughs> no light outside right now. My one lamp is working extra hard right now. <laughs> Got to put it right on the face. Jeez. <laughs> Did you, you hear it's supposed to, like, down? So, so uh, John, Dom's in Vermont, so he's getting mm. supposedly 10 inches of snow. And it wow. sounds like we're just getting rain for the next 24 hours. Yeah, I heard about it, us getting rain, Vermont getting snow like that. That's wild. It'll be like right at the freezing point. I don't know. I mean, right now it's like 52 degrees. Oh, it's uh, So I think it's going to be largely rain today and maybe some snow tomorrow. Yeah. All I know is I need to get my windshield wipers <laughs> changed. And it's it's difficult to do, you know? I don't know if you're handy with cars. We were talking about this yesterday, John. Like, he's like, I'm just going to go to AutoZone, purchase another, and watch them do it. And then I'll learn how to do it. Because YouTube doesn't have, like, your exact windshield wipers. You know? And it's it's never as straightforward as the YouTube videos. Like I've yeah. always like muscled them and wind up breaking off a piece of the plastic. <laughs> and yeah, a couple times like they've fallen off like while I just have them on. So I need to go there and be like, you know what? Uh, you mind putting these on for me real quick? <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait, John. But before we get into it, a quick thing just about like the weather because we just took a walk to get coffee and it's fifty degrees, but you're walking. The worst feeling is when it's starting to get cold, but your body is sweating. Mm -hmm. And you just like, I just feel absolutely gross. Like mm -hmm. I did it like I had to shower. I hated the way I felt. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. And then you're getting sweaty and then you're like, why am I colder? Like on my forehead where right. it's sweating, you know, it's like the worst. Just, you get those like weird pockets where your body's like, oh, this is not good. This is too cold. Yeah. We, I think just... we lived that in kickball like every other night. <laughs> Didn't you just work out though? No, we we both woke up around four o'clock and co decided to not go to CrossFit. We could not move at four. So we're like, let's just have a walk. And the worst thing happened is I have no coffee in my house. No like grounds, no K cups, no cold brew, nothing. The worst. So we actually had to go and get coffee. Red label, East Rockaway. Dude, they had get this, they were what was they were called Heavenly Coffee. And you know, chock full of nuts. The company they like the make old, the, the old like coffee yeah, company. Yeah, they make coffee called Heavenly Coffee, and they sued them no for way. naming rights, and they had to change their name. I know they sued this little like three store shop on Long Island for for naming rights, and they had I to change it to fair. Red Label. That's I think wild. That's fair. Chock fair. Full of nuts did all of the branding for Heaven. You know about Heavenly Coffee. I don't, but like, if you type it in, I'm sure they come up on Google, and now they're piggybacking Tough. off that. No, that's bullshit. Tough. Well, mm -hmm. support local mm -hmm. businesses. Yeah, but you know they can't just be stealing names. <laughs> I can't just call my local business Starbucks with two C's. 
They leveraged the name. They leveraged. But anyway, all right. So <clears throat> let's get into it because we're talking about a bunch of nonsense. So, John, thanks for jumping on, buddy. Um, we are. It's interesting because like we've we've done a couple podcasts with people we've known for a long time, and you're the person who's on who I've like basically known for just about a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess when did any idea when we would we play together in the spring of last year, maybe? Yeah, we played together in the spring. This year? I was actually yes. Yeah. Um so spring twenty three was my first season at LIK. Oh, wow. But I was thinking about it actually and because yeah. uh you had told me like we were gonna talk about how we met and I met you yeah. at our friend Izzy and Jen's apartment basically almost exactly That's a year right. ago. Like it was last December. Um and yeah, it was like small gathering, just eating pizza, drinking beer and chopping it up. And I feel like we talked for hours and you were like, yeah, like we do this kickball thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, I've been jonesing to get into something like that. Like, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you sold That's it really right. well. So with that parlayed into the spring league and then the summer league and then the fall league. And yeah, yeah you went from a stranger awesome. to somebody I see yeah. every week, basically, like overnight. <laughs> I kind of forgot about like yeah it was you and rich came over mm-hmm. to izzy's old apartment uh yep. I, yeah you're right it was like holiday times i remember all that now mm-hmm. wow i completely forgot that's like how we yeah. met i forget I what we Dom, were celebrating probably like, like we were there for a reason i forget what we were celebrating somebody had i think finished. it was their engagement okay yeah, I forget I exactly what it just, was. No, no, they got. Uh, yeah, maybe I think you guys. I think it was Jen's idea that Izzy hadn't seen uh, you guys in a while. It was mm. a surprise. It was a surprise thing because I right. didn't even know who you guys were, mm-hmm. and Izzy had no idea you were coming over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just remember, yeah, just like learning about you and teaching and stuff. And I, I probably, I'm sure I told Dom because I told Dom everything because we talk like all the time, but. Like Aww. immediately, shut up. Uh, immediately, like I think we hit it off. We have very like similar mindsets. I think we both like like to talk about a variety of subjects, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think like we hit it off pretty quickly and like continue to to kind of talk about those things today. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, anytime uh, so... I'm at a place where somebody's talking about football, we can we can go all, all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into like who you are, because I'm still learning like who you are, right? So this is my extent of knowing John. You are from Valley Stream. You mm-hmm. went to school with Izzy. You're a history teacher mm-hmm. in Queens, if I remember. Yep. Uh, you play kickball. You're, you're one of the most improved players, BT Dubs. Um, this guy rocks it at first. Um, I, always, I always put him behind me in the lineup because now I have so much confidence. And I think like one game, John, we won like five to one. And I'm pretty sure I was on base, scored all five because of your kicks. Like it was something like really cool. It, it, it's nice to be confident about that person behind oh. you just because, you know, the worst feeling is like you get on base and you're like, oh, I know I'm going to get hit into a double play right now. Uh, it, the first thing I ask when I go up to plate, I ask like whoever has the lineup, who's kicking behind me? Because, yeah. you know, to your point, Dom, like, do I want me on base or some person who well, doesn't you know, know where I, first base is? I played softball and, you know, I'm a, I'm a singles hitter, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I, I get on and I'm like, fuck, it's getting hit right to shortstop. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I might as well go pack my bags. <laughs> you telling so, me that too, Justin, John, was that's, like that's the moment I, I knew I had made it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. That's right. Yeah. Like a proud, proud father. <laughs> so I guess uh, maybe... 
Blake John, what else should we know about you? Maybe to start, like, let's start. Um, yeah, I mean, you sort of hit the highlights. I, uh, I was born and raised in Valley Stream. Uh, I've lived in Valley Stream sort of on and off my whole life. Um, when I was 18, I went to school. Uh, I went away to school. I went to SUNY Albany for four years. Uh, one of the years I was up there, I did study abroad. So I went ar- across Europe and North Africa cool. for a year. Um, and then came back, got my degree in uh, U.S. history, um, was sort of trying to figure out like what I wanted to do with that. It was not so much a degree I was pursuing as to one I had sort of just kind of fallen into. Um, and yeah, I, I always loved history classes, things like that. So when I came back from my year abroad, I had had a lot of credits in that. And I was like, I want to graduate in a year. What's the easiest pathway to get a degree in a year? And uh, got a U.S. history degree, came home with that, with no idea what I was going to do with it. Um, and basically just among talking to people and going to like job fairs and things like that, it was like, all right, you have this degree. Now you're either going to teach with it or you are going to work in a museum. And the idea of working in a museum, like giving the same repetitive tour every single day, like the same tidbits of information. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm good on that. So I tried teaching. Um and absolutely loved it. Got my master's degree in education from Queens College. Uh, got hired almost right away. I was subbing um, within a couple of weeks of getting my license in the uh, the fall of 2014. And then got my first full-time offer in the winter of 2015 um, to be a leave replacement for a teacher who was leaving a school. And took that on. Um, full-time, but it was full-time just for the rest of the year, finished out that year, and then the school liked me so much they offered me to come back full-time again, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. I was at that same school in Manhattan for seven years, and then in 2021, went to uh, a school in Queens and have been at the school in Queens that I'm at now ever since. This is my third year there. That's awesome. Um, I want to get back to your study abroad because that's super interesting. (laughs) But the one thing that came to mind, and maybe this is because I've been out of the teaching, well, I've been out of the student game for a while. Like, I don't know if this is TikTok or whatever, but is when you see like the flexibility that you teachers have about how you distribute the lesson plan, like if I go to the same lesson, right, the same material and John is teaching versus Dom. It, could that differ in the same school or is that run because it's public versus private? Like how much flexibility you have in the way you distribute mm-hmm. material? Yeah. So the curriculum is set. The curriculum is set. Like the topics that you have to cover um, and usually like a schedule of when you should be covering these topics is pretty set school to school. So the topics that I have to cover in my class, I have to hit throughout the course of the year. And when you map that out throughout the course of the year, there's a certain time when I should be teaching certain subjects. But in terms of how I present the material, that's entirely up to me. Now, I know that I've spoken to friends that work in other schools where they don't have that freedom. There are certain schools where, you know, they want to see kids uh, from start to finish. They got to be reading from start to finish. They've got to be listening from start to finish. They've got to be annotating college style notes you know they, every school sort of has their own agenda as to how the material is presented but the content is the same the content's pretty set at the state level um 
for me at hmm. least, like the school that I'm in now, and I've been pretty lucky. I mean, for the 10 years that I've been a teacher, all of my administrators in both the schools that I worked at have sort of given me mostly freedom, not 100%, but mostly freedom to present the material in a way that I want. Um, definitely comes down to the curriculum that you're covering and then getting the kids ready for the regents exam at the end of the year if it is a regents class. If your kids can pass the test, the bosses tend to sort of mm. let you get to that point on your own. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's interesting. Uh, like I see even people using music uh, as ways of teaching. And this is like varying of grade level too, right? But like, mm -hmm. I, I guess, so Dom and I went to private school a little bit more maybe regimented and it feels like boring. But then when I went to... Uh, when Boring. I went to high school, <laughs> when I went to high school, like I, I firmly remember, I forget what book it was, but I hated like literature and the reading classes. It just was not, not my thing. But I remember a teacher specifically like brought in props and she's walking around the classroom with like a tree branch in her, like, you know, it's like, I, maybe it was like the Hobbit. It's like something yada, yada, yada. And I just remember like, wow, I actually gave a crap of what she was saying. And I read The Hobbit because she was so um, into the material. She distributed it differently. Um, and that was like cool just to just to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 cool to have that sort of freedom. Like it's it's funny you say that literally just this week I was teaching. Um, we're, we're right now in an industrial revolution unit. I teach 10th grade global is is my main course this year. I teach five sections of 10th grade global. So 10th grade global is the year 1750 to the present. So I basically have to cover like the enlightenment Jeez. in Europe all the way up into like, there's probably going to be some days where I'm going to have to cover like as far up to, uh, you know, the, the war in Ukraine right now and the Israeli Hamas right. conflict right now. Like, um, so basically 1750 to as much of the present as you can get. So I'm in a, a unit right now on the Industrial Revolution. And the Industrial Revolution is when you introduce the kids to like economic systems, you teach them sort of the foundations of capitalism and communism. Now, if you ever want to really like completely lose a room, start talking to kids about economic theory. Start talking to teenagers about <laughs> economic theory. You will see kids just absolutely fall asleep as quickly as they possibly can. So you come up with like, try to come up with fun, interesting ways to do it. So over the years, sort of figuring out what worked and what didn't, uh, I have this really cool, like assembly line activity where the kids are making houses for me in little small groups where they have to draw out pieces of a house. Um, and then like me being sort of the, the mean factory owner, like I go around critiquing what they're doing and uh, occasionally just like grabbing a kid's desk and like shaking it just to mess with them. And like, you know, figuring out like fun ways to kind of present the material and um, yeah, connecting that to these sort of boring topics. So I've been sort of blessed in that way where like you can figure if you can figure out an interesting way to teach a boring topic, they're going to get into it kind of like you were saying. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I had a couple of uh, teachers in high school that one we were doing Macbeth and he would come in with like this sword he was kind of like a nerdy guy himself, and like everybody made fun of him, but uh, I appreciated him going the extra mile on it. And then I think, you know, if you can make it into a game or make it, you know, I think, you know, kids are just competitive, right? 
especially if they're playing sports. So one of my history teachers did like a Jeopardy, like right before the test, you know, to like cover the mm-hmm. topics that were on it. You know, you got like a prize if you won. And yeah, that's cool that your your uh, school gives you the flexibility to kind of run with it. I would just be afraid of like overstepping it sometimes, just like talking shit and then like <laughs> like start cursing at them and be like, oh God, mm. <laughs> I need to dial it down. Yeah, that's definitely a yeah. skill that John. you learn over the years. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, too far, too far. Bring yep. it back. You, you drop a couple F-bombs the first two years, Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, John, just pivoting back to school for a second, um, what, what year did you graduate Albany? Uh, so I graduated with my undergrad in 2011. So, Tom, is that Brad? I think that's close to it. He might be 2013. Uh, what year did you graduate high school? 2007. 2009? 2007. Mm. Okay. I think he was, yeah, he was like two years above him. Yeah, Brad Goloszewski was like one of our childhood friends who went to Albany. He was like the first guy to go to Albany that we knew. <laughs> and we're like, oh, he's going to party. And then people just kept following. <laughs> it's kind of funny, man. Actually, oh, like I, when I, I was applying to college, that was not a school I wanted to go to. All of my friends wanted to go there. I didn't. And then I ended up getting in and they didn't. And like, just <laughs> happenstance, that's where I ended up. Like, you know, you've met my friends, uh, obviously, Justin, you know, Rich, and then you've met Robin. Like the three of us were super yeah. close in high school. The two of them, they were like, Albany's our number one school. That's where we want to go. I didn't want to go there. I was thinking at like a whole bunch of other different places, but I applied because I was like, oh, at the very least, I'll go to school with my boys. And then both of them didn't end up going to Albany. Rich eventually transferred up there, but he didn't go freshman year. Um, and Robin never went there. And I got my degree from there. And it's just funny the way that worked out. Just on Robin quickly. <laughs> I, I met him once. And within the next day, we were Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. we just added each other across the board. He doesn't mess around. Albany is a wild place. I remember I went to go visit my friend as a freshman. He was also a freshman. And, you know, I had been in at Ithaca College for maybe like three months at the time. I think, yeah, I went over Thanksgiving. So I go to visit my friend in Albany. And they had too many freshmen that year, so they had to convert lounges into dorm rooms. But what they did was they had five guys all share, like, one massive lounge room, you know, mm. with five beds in it. And, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of mayhem that happened, and I'm not going to go into what I saw in that room. But this, that, was my first, that was my first and only experience with, with Albany. I was like, holy shit, it's different out here in these SUNY schools. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, yeah. John, super quick about talk about like studying abroad. So you said mm-hmm. Europe and North Africa, like, what, what countries in particular? Yeah. So, um, I was gone. I was, I always say a year, I rounded to a year. I was gone 10 and a half months. Um, yeah, I hit 14 different countries between Europe and North Africa. Wow. The, I was studying abroad in England. Uh, I saw Scotland, Wales, Ireland, basically, you know, the whole United Kingdom and Ireland, um, Portugal, Spain, France, Germany, Hungary, Czech Republic, Italy, uh, Belgium. Um, then when I went to North Africa, I was in Morocco. I was in Morocco for a while. Uh, and I'm counting it, even though I only got mm-hmm. to the border, I got to the Algerian border and was attempting to 
I had this bright idea in my head that I was going to backpack across North Africa and go from Morocco to <laughs> Egypt um, and go see the pyramids Jeez. because, you know, history guy, I want to go see the pyramids. Um, I don't know if you know much about world history and what was happening in North Africa in 2010. It was the uh, Arab Spring. It was not the time to be over there. Um, so I got to the Algerian border and was in a customs office and these two French custom agents, I'll never forget it. These two French custom agents with these thick mustaches who were chain smoking cigarettes are just looking at me like, there's just no way we are not letting you in. There's just no way. And denied me entry <laughs> to Algeria and sent me back into Morocco. Um, so yeah, I was in an office in Algeria, but never actually got into the country. Jeez. John, was that the during the when was like Gaddafi and, and Libya anybody yeah know? so History that was a nerds? little after me little after I got back um but yeah that was the same time period the Arab Spring basically um started in Tunisia and then you know was enthralled Egypt and Syria and uh Libya and so on and so forth and just all these different countries sort of had these little mini revolutions uh, and it's crazy, actually, I got my whole plan was to go to Egypt when I got denied and sent back to Morocco. Uh, I sort of spent a few more days there and then went back to London where I was staying. And within a couple of weeks of getting back to London, they closed Egyptian like uh, travel, like you couldn't get in or out of the country for a while. So it was really crazy because, you know kind of a blessing in disguise because if i had gotten there and then they close things out who knows what would happen yeah john it's funny just to kind of close up i just realized because dom's asking that question the level of history like people in my friend group think i'm a history nerd and then you meet dom which is another level down and then they meet john which is like really base uh and uh like dom and i will on occasion be uh either drinking or under the influence of be looking at maps and just nerding mm -hmm. out. We're like, wow, look how deep this part of the ocean is. I forgot it had, you know, cause it has like uh cities and then it'll have like a, you know, a square or a circle, depending if they're the capital. And then the name will be bigger depending on how much population they have in that country. So like, we're looking at these random countries and like, north africa we're like holy shit that's yeah. a big ass city right. and then yeah it has the depth of the ocean so that, yeah that was cool it's a good map i actually really yeah, we like just nerd out john <laughs> like on that how did uh teaching change like with covid and like what because i think of like visuals and a nice way of teaching virtuals with a lot of you know visuals and to just mm -hmm. to jump off that i was doing virtual school I was actually trying to go back for another degree that I ended up not pursuing it. And I remember, uh, this is like super technical accounting stuff. This old ass professor, uh, going on, I think PowerPoint and drawing with a pen tool, drawing like the numbers instead of doing it on Excel where like we could all see her handwriting. She, she just did it poorly. And I just remember what a shitty experience that was from a virtual instead of like being on a whiteboard and seeing a person. So maybe just talk about like COVID, the school impact, how teaching changed. Yeah, sure. Um, it's kind of wild. I actually remember the date that like sort of my whole life changed and everybody's life changed. Um, I was having this, just a quick little aside. I was having um, lunch and at, was at a happy hour with some cousins of mine 
and my brothers. Uh, I have a lot of family that are in education. I work with one of my cousins, Mike, that you know, um, and my oldest brother is a teacher. I have a whole bunch Bye. of teacher cousins. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we get together every <laughs> once in a while and we'll do like a happy hour after school and just kind of hang out. So Friday the 13th, March, Friday the 13th, 2020, we are sitting in a bar uh, at happy hour talking about, do you think we're going to go into work on Monday? Because things had just started to really close and things, the numbers were really just starting to like rise to the point, you know, in 2020, nobody knows what's going on. Like they're starting to rise and people are really starting to freak out. And so we're sitting in this happy hour. Friday the 13th, uh, March 2020. And I'm like, dude, there is no way they're going to close the schools. Like, they're going to find a thing for, you know, 1.1 million kids to go, another couple hundred thousand teachers. Like, no, no, no. There's no way. They got to stay open. And then two days later, they get on TV. And now I'm forgetting the mayor's name before Adams, um, the guy who ran for president. I'm forgetting his name. But yeah, he gets on TV and gives this huge Giuliani? speech. No. <laughs> no. De Blasio, Blasio. there it is yeah another bum yeah (laughs) forgettable that's why i forgot um but yeah and he gets on and basically like uh the schools are closing and initially they said the schools were going to close through spring break which was about a month from the date that we were at and then you know lo and behold we were closed for a year and a half we didn't get back into a school building until uh september of 2021 so you know a full year just sort of at home um but yeah as far as teaching during covid went it was it was tough man it was super hard very stressful um and gave me a lot of days where i was sitting around going like what am i doing like it was really easy to feel like you weren't doing anything you know teaching is one Mm. of those jobs where on your worst day like in your worst your worst classes, your worst days, your worst subjects, when everything's going wrong, if there's one kid that's sitting in your class that's doing the work and interested in what you're saying, that can negate all the bad stuff. But if you take that online, and instead of having one kid who's doing the work in front of you, you got 30 blank screens and you can't see what's going on, it's like so soul-sucking. But yeah, so basically we were in a matter of days, uh, forced to sort of switch from, you know, all in person sort of, uh, handouts and packets and, you know, PowerPoints to, uh, zoom and a whole bunch of different education apps that they were trying to get us to use things like, um, Nearpod and Padlet and all these different (laughs) sort of apps that were awful. Um, and it just changed. I mean, so right off the bat, uh, it, in there's the worst thing that you can do in a high school is just lecture at teenagers. It's the quickest way to lose them. So you have to try to figure out ways to get them talking. You have to ask them interesting questions that make them think and that have a variety of answers. Um, when you're remote, you can't do that. And it just doesn't work because a lot of kids are in situations where they can't turn their microphones on. Because, you know, they're in a house with three other brothers or sisters who are also doing online school. So you got to be sort of quiet right. and respectful of the one next to you. Or you had kids that were in uh, places where they had bad Wi-Fi connections. Or you had kids who were using their iPhones because they hadn't gotten a device yet. 
So it just opened up like a whole plethora of new problems. Um, and so it turned into sort of a lecture style of teaching where you're kind of just talking at these kids and you're sharing your screen and just sort of working through slides. And then they'd be able to, you know, type responses in either the, the chat or on one of these apps. Occasionally you could get like a little mini discussion going. The kids could unmute themselves and stuff and talk, but it was really easy for kids to tap out during COVID and I don't blame them. I probably would have done the same thing if I was a teenager. Um, and it just kind of really became a soul sucking job for a year and a half. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. You don't really see like the, the value in what you're doing. If you're looking at 40 little black squares on a screen where you're not, uh, getting any kind of feedback, you know? Yeah. I, uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, we we seem to have a lot of friends in the education side of things, and I think they all kind of went through the similar experience of uh, not feeling the same reward system of why you guys got into it in the first mm -hmm. place, right? Like it, to your point, even me. I mean, you know, very different, right? Like, but I left my former company during COVID because they didn't know how to engage employees virtually. Like they just mm -hmm. flopped. Mm -hmm. Everything went wrong. Uh, we were sitting on our asses for like a few months. You, I mean, it was nice because you, you were basically stealing money, if you will, like just not doing a lot of work. But then at some point, it just gets to, like, okay, I want to have a purpose. And if I'm not getting that feedback from, in my case, my clients and my employees that work for me, I, why do I want to do this? So um, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, a lot of background on uh, on our producer over here. <laughs> yeah, what you doing over there, Dean? What's up? What you doing over there? Organizing cards. Of course. What um, kind of cards? Baseball cards. <laughs> Nerd. Otani so, just go right to the top. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Seven hundred million. Um, mm. John, just pivot a bit because I've known you. Uh, I guess so. To your point, in a year, and in that year. Uh, you've gone through a pretty big transformation yourself and, you know, just weight loss. How many, like, when we start at what it was and then like, what really made you kick that into gear? Yeah. Um, so I've kind of always struggled with my weight. It sort of has always gone up and down my whole life. When I was in high school, I was, uh, I played football and I did a lot of strength training. And I did a lot of like powerlifting and sort of built up the the appetite that kind of came with that. And then when I turned 18, went away to Albany and the discipline part <laughs> ran away, but the, the appetite stuck around. And, you know, people gained the freshman 15. I gained the freshman way more than 15. Um, and it's basically been a struggle ever since then, kind of going up and down, up and down. Um, I, in February of this past, this past February, February 23, I had taken a trip up to Albany to visit uh, my college roommate who still lives up that way. And um, him and I like had a pretty like kind of wild night out in Albany, a lot of drinking, hanging out, talking. And um, the next day I drove home and I was just sort of like feeling really sluggish and feeling really like beat down. And I think I knew 
that I had gained a pretty significant amount of weight over the last year and that I was having all kinds of problems that relate with that. But for whatever reason, this trip, when I got back from that, I was just like kind of extra beat up and I got on the scale and the scale said 277, which scared the absolute crap out of me because that Mm. was the closest to 300 I've ever been. Um, I didn't think it had gotten that bad, sort of living in denial a little bit. Um, But yeah, just sort of was like, no, I can't keep doing this. And I had a a whole bunch of like health problems that went with that. Um, Sleep apnea. I had really hard times um, doing simple things. Like you shouldn't get winded when you're tying your shoes. You shouldn't get winded when you're like washing your back in the shower. Like things that were just sort of making me kind of embarrassed and sort of opening my eyes were kind of all happening at once. Um, so came home was 277 sort of made the decision that I was like, you gotta figure this out. You gotta try to do something. Um, so I immediately sign up for the gym thinking that that's going to solve all my problems, but you know, it's easy to sign up for a gym. The hard part's actually then getting in there. So signed up for it and then sort of just was blowing money for a few weeks, like not going, not doing anything, just like finding every excuse in the world to like not go you know, saying, oh, I'm going to go after work, putting a gym bag in my car. And then on the way home, like yawning and being like, oh, no, I'm tired. I'm gonna go home. And then just not doing anything, just eating and, and you know, going the exact opposite route. Uh, so I, after a while of that, trying to figure out how to be a little bit more strategic with it, um, I made an appointment with a nutritionist, saw a nutritionist, uh, him and I went over like my exact schedule from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. One of the very good benefits, I guess, of being a teacher is that your life during the school week is very regimented. You're up at the same time, you're going to bed at the same time, you have the same times off throughout the course of the day. So him and I basically laid out an entire food plan um, and sort of some goals. And I started following the food plan and doing that and then figuring out how to get into the gym, you know, because again, signing up but not going was way too easy. Uh, figured out like if I actually schedule an appointment with a trainer, for whatever reason, making the appointment and paying for the appointment was like the mental hack I needed to get into the gym. So I just started making appointments and doing I started doing one a week with the trainer. And then I was like, okay, if I can get there one other day a week on my own, you know, that's a step in the right direction. And sort of just building off of that, uh, kind of working all these steps together and then just attempting to be a little bit more active. Um, I weighed myself on Thursday and I'm down to 230 230 on the dot. So I was down 47 pounds, which is huge since February for me. Um, It's the skinniest I've been in my adult life in a very long time. Um, And yeah, just really trying to stay the course with it, you know, and not uh, falter. it's very easy for me to like, and I'm sure people who have struggled with their weight can relate to this. It's like you, if you have a bad day where you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to have, you're eating very healthy, but then you have that like one unhealthy snack. It's real easy for that to spiral and then be like, oh, well, you know what? I already screwed up a little bit. What does it matter if I screw up a lot? And then the next day be like, oh, well, you know, I screwed up yesterday. So what does it matter if I screw up today? And then that sort of just spirals and spirals and spirals. And something I really had to work on for myself was like, you know, if I do have that unhealthy snack or if I do have that bad meal, 
it do, it can be isolated to that one incident and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to then spiral so for example like i had a bunch of ice cream last night okay so this morning i got up and i went to the gym like it's doesn't have to be that like oh i had this snack and then now i'm you know spiraling out of control again now i've learned to sort of compartmentalize like my little cheats to moments rather than to like switching up the entire diet and losing it completely sort of falling off the rails but um yeah i'm down yeah. 47 pounds in in since february and feeling good hey thank you thank you thank you there there go. Buddy. yeah keep it going appreciate um, it yeah i mean you, you brought up a, a lot of great things there john um I feel that I am the most motivated to work out after like a bender, mm. you know, after like I come back from vacation or something like that. Like the first thing that I do is I go to the gym and I'm like, all right, I mean, fucking vegetables for the next like five <laughs> days. But it really is all about kind of creating these habits that you're, you're going to, you know, sustain and not even think twice about, right? Like you don't have to think about like, Oh, is it this or that? Like, I'm eating this or I'm doing this because I feel good about it. Um, you know, another thing that you brought up, which was great, which is what I always talk about with people. Um, Justin and I both do CrossFit, right? And Justin was doing Orange Theory for a while before then as well. But, you know, the thing about those gyms is they're pretty expensive, right? Like you're investing mm-hmm. in it. And if you pay $10, $20, $30 for like a Planet Fitness or an LA Fitness, and say if you're making like decent money, like you really don't care if a month goes by, right? And you haven't gone to the gym because you're like, oh, it's 20 bucks. You know, I, I spend more on like a uh, a meal or, on, or something. But if you're spending like $150 on a gym, you're like, holy shit, like I need to get there like at least three times a week in order to make it worth it. And I always tell people like if you have the finances and you're trying to get motivated, like why why feel the need to do it like by yourself you know maybe it's like a personal pride thing i get it you know that people are like oh like i want to lose this by myself but if you can like go to a class or even like hire a personal trainer i don't really know about the personal training world i'm more of like a class guy but you know people are going to motivate you there it's going to be you don't even have to think about it you just go in the workouts already laid out for you you're going to get a killer workout in like 40 minutes and then you go right Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of sports, uh, use Skippers U for twenty percent off SeatGeek. Everybody, it's a great place to uh, watch all your sporting habits, especially with Otani going to the Dodgers. Yeah, John, just to talk about so it's interesting. I mean, yeah, Dom and I talk about it. we pay. We both go to CrossFit, so we pay a good amount of money. And, and to Dom's point, like I, my head equates every class I'm going to, I'm paying whatever it is, ten bucks a class. I'm like, all right, am I getting $10 of value? And hell yeah, like there's no person, like I am being motivated. We, Lindsay and I go to a class and it's 20 people. And what helps in CrossFit, especially my gym, everyone is like monsters. As in like they are, they've been doing CrossFit for 10 plus years. So we're super motivated when we see people around us. We're like, that's what we want to be in 10 years. Like they're all about 10 years older than us too, which is fun. So it's it's cool to see that. And uh, I know you, you and I met, again, just about a year ago, but I went through a pretty big weight loss transformation where at my heaviest, I was 230. And Dom and I always grew up like super Italian, right? Probably like mm-hmm. much like you, where you could just eat whatever you want. You just didn't really care. You know, your grandparents just 
our our grandfather used to feed us table talk pies for breakfast. Like he no used one's to business. pay us. He used to pay us to, to finish, finish our, our food. Plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Like that's win win. So like I'm, oh, double win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we we grew up. I, I think especially me, like I I was at two thirty, and I uh, I wanted to lose weight, and I used transferring to schools because I was I was moving to Philly as like a way to say, okay, well, here's a new opportunity to define like the new Justin, right? And uh, unfortunately, though, like, unlike you, I did it the wrong way, where I went from 230 to 140 in a year, uh, and developed like an eating disorder through that. So it developed mm-hmm. like a terrible relationship with food, a terrible relationship with the gym. And it took years to break out of those terrible habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, not to mention like the whole aspect of you're in college and you know, there's crap food everywhere. Right. So it's easy. And meanwhile, I'm just like eating rabbit food off to the side, you know, working out, walking around campus and just burning stupid amount of calories. And, you know, it took, I mean, it took uh, therapy to improve my relationship with food. It doesn't also help that like, uh, eating disorders or just like men as it relates to food isn't really a talked about subject, right? Like it's much more relatable to women in the public eye at least. And it sounds crazy, but I remember there was a kicker for Penn state. I don't know if you guys remember this, who had, yeah. he was this pudgy dude. Yeah. And he dude. Had, he had what what disorder. was his name? I, 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 remember I forget. He had an eating disorder. <laughs> he was public about it. And I was like, Oh shit. That's like pretty cool that a collegiate athlete at a you know, major D one school is publicly talking about his relationship with food and it helped like I helped change the, the point of like being scared about food. Right. So like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what I weigh. I think I weigh like whatever, 190 or 200. I just don't give a shit anymore because mm-hmm. like you start to change a relationship with food in the gym and you get into, to, to Dom's point, like the habits and the consistency. Like if I don't work out, or put it this way, if I'm not active, right? And you and I play kickball together, like we get a shit ton of activity during that hour we play. Mm-hmm. Like pickleball, you know, Lindsay and I went, went for a walk today. Just do something every day, like be mobile mm-hmm. and you start to feel better about yourself. And, you know, sometimes like you're tired, you come home and you don't want to go to the gym. It's like, okay, well, what else could I do? Can I take a walk or can I go play kickball or whatever the case might be where I'm still just like being active and keeping those habits going. So it's a, it's like such a sensitive, I, I, I kind of commend you just being open to talking about it because like men don't get the opportunity to talk about this subject often. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, something you guys said that, that resonated for sure. It's, it's the blessing and the curse of being an Italian American, you know, it's just, there's so much food and then leftovers are looked at as like the great sin in a household. You know, it's like, you got to finish the plate, finish whatever they made. Um, so all the pastas and all the foods just go down everybody's mouth and, you know, you just, you don't think about the back end of that. And the back end of that is that you end up with these really unhealthy relationships with food a lot of times, which definitely happened to my whole family. Um, but yeah, my older brother, actually, you, you brought this up and I kind of always need to shout him out whenever I'm talking about weight loss. Uh, my oldest brother, Danny, he's, he's 10 years older than me. He uh had sort of the, the the worst situation with food of anybody in my family he had sort of really let himself go like really let himself go ballooned up very significantly he was over 500 pounds 
um, got into CrossFit, started doing a lot of mental health work. He started going to OA meetings, Overeaters Anonymous, which I didn't know was a thing. Mm. Um, and doing all these different sort of uh, just ways to sort of improve his life and got himself down to in the 200s, low 200s, uh, naturally, no surgeries, nothing like that. But yeah, like this massive 300 pound weight loss from that. So that the mental health part of this journey was something I was very aware of from watching my brother kind of go through it. Actually, in fact, you, you mentioned CrossFit. If you go on YouTube and you type in his name and the word CrossFit, the first video that comes up is like a little, uh, I guess, like expose that CrossFit did on him that was on their website for a while um, about his weight loss. And he's got kind of befores and afters up there. So it's, it's again, shout out to my brother, Dan impressive stuff but um that's awesome watching him go to you know these overeaters anonymous meetings and i actually went with him a couple of times me thinking like oh yeah i'll, I'll go with you just to be you know supportive brother trying to be a supportive brother and then i'm sitting there getting so much out of it and i'm going whoa like is this like what am i learning about myself right here um mm -hmm. and kind of figuring out that like no this isn't isolated to my brother i think this not that it necessarily runs in the family, but it's something I'm dealing with too. And, and um, yeah, he, he had that big journey, which was sort of an ongoing inspiration for me. Um, but you're totally right. I think the, the mental health part of trying to lose weight and trying to be healthy is just as important as the physical part. And if your mind is not in the right place, the physical part will never matter because the physical part can be so temporary. You can lose a ton of weight and yeah. then you can put on a ton of weight so quick. Like you just putting yourself in the right mental space to make it sustainable and make it sort of a more healthy relationship. That's in my opinion, at least. And for me, that was the way harder part than, you know, sweating and losing weight. Like doing exercises was not as bad as, yeah. you know, feeling like I deserve to look better and deserve to feel better. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'll say one one thing, John, before we kind of wrap up, like I've only known you for a year, so I don't know, like I've seen your journey through seeing you weekly, like basically, right, through sports and then also like hanging out with you on football Sundays and such like that where we get together for different reasons. And I see the physical change, especially like on the kickball field, like just you just become a better athlete. So I've seen like the physical side. And I'm sure like you're, you're also then to your point, you're getting on the mental stuff, this, you know, spiritual stuff, but just like connecting better with not only yourself, with people and the relationship. And, and I think it's pretty cool. So um, it's pretty awesome, man. Uh, keep it going. I appreciate that, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I always remember there was one time I had like a little sort of like squib single and I, I sprinted down the first baseline and beat out the throw and uh rich kind of came up to me rich who's my best friend and has been my best friend for 20 years and yeah. he looks at me and goes i didn't know you had that gear in you <laughs> like he like was <laughs> making fun of how fast i got down the line i was like yeah there you go all so right cool man yeah that was like a nice I compliment that. i love that <laughs> well john i appreciate you jumping on especially early mm -hmm. in the morning um i'm glad we got a, some time to catch up here um i know we've got a, a big football sunday ahead of us <laughs> all so uh, let's all gear up. Let's all uh, root for our own players and no one else's. I know it, we always make fun of Izzy, John and I, about the uh, 18 leagues he seems to be in. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but I saw he's he's he loses at, every one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's always like, ah, oh, I, I, you know, I won this league. I'm like one for five. I'm not sure it's phenomenal payout, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, we'll, we'll give him crap for it. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to point out at the time of this recording, Izzy is currently sitting tenth out of tenth in the league I'm in with him. So, dude, I'm pretty sure mine too <laughs> in Rich's league. <laughs> he's, he's pretty yes. far down there. Yes, that's pretty awesome. Let's see. Oh, he's in ninth oh. by about thirty points. I that's think. I, well, let's not let's not you know give him extra juice today. I think I'm playing him. Oh, oh yeah, right. Ooh, there you go. There you spicy, go. spicy. No jinx. John, no jinx. Thanks for jumping on, buddy. Yeah, of course, guys. Thank you for having me. All right, I'll talk to you. Sounds good, guys. Be good.